the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. The views and opinions expressed by Rob Black and his guests are not necessarily those of KDOW or its management owners or advertisers and should not be construed as legal tax or investment advice. Always consult with the appropriate advisor before making any investment or financial planning decision. Insightful. Informative. Irreverent. We're ready. 1220 KDOW presents Rob Black and Your Money. Your source for breaking news, market updates, and successful investment strategies for the 21st century. Sounds like a great program. Getting you to retirement in today's market. So let's get on with the show. Taxes, family finance, insurance, the economy, technology, media, and entertainment. Rob is talking about it with you at 800-516-1220. So call in. We'll chat and uh, have some fun. Now to start your day with the latest news and market commentary. Here's Rob Black on the Bay Area's business leader, 1220 KDOW. Welcome in, Rob Black and your money. I'm Rob Black. Taking a look at what's working on Wall Street on a day-by-day basis. In lieu, it's a good story that gets us to talking about our retirement. How do you do it? Do you fund it with a 401k? Do you try to hit lottery numbers? Um, I think the easiest way to become a millionaire is with time. 188 bucks a month, $2,000 a year. After five years, you have, holy mackerel, $10,000. Every 7.2 years, it'll become 20, that'll become 40, that'll become 80, that'll become 160. And it all starts with 188 bucks a month or something like that. If it was that easy, um, it wouldn't be that easy. So yesterday, down day on coronavirus fears. Today, a little bit of a bounce back. It's almost as if the, I don't know, I don't even want to go there. I was going to say Wall Street's building up an immunity to the coronavirus, where it goes a little bit lower than it comes right back, of which Apple seems to have the most at stake, being the largest company in the world, but also having a large customer base and most of its manufacturing base in China. And flus are an area where people don't want to talk to each other, get close to each other. And a lot of the video t- uh, tied towards employment in China that you see on television, it's a lot of people in really close, tight quarters. I don't even know if that's fair to say, but I said it. So the stock market is going to get it right sometimes, and sometimes it's going to get it wrong. Um, and that's something you just almost have to feel comfortable with. The some day, you know, yesterday, coronavirus fears day, not so much. Which one's right? Which one's wrong? Or was yesterday enough of a haircut that people feel, okay, we now have lowered the expectations? It, I don't think it was. So far, every sector is up this month with the growth sensitive tech sector up six and a half percent. So we're halfway through February, a little bit more than halfway. 
Consumer discretionary stocks up 5.2%. Material stocks up 4.7%. Consumer staples up 2.2%. So pure on fact is the stock market's not living in fear of the coronavirus. Because the fear was in late January on the stock market. Since then, it's kind of, it's hedged and hawed, but it's, it's pushed higher. So things would change in a dramatic way um, if some countries would remain immune for a couple days from the new um, initiations, the new cases. You know, I'm seeing China very – I'm seeing the headlines come out of China. They seem to be managing them very carefully. Second straight day of fewer um, infections. And you're like, okay, so, okay, that's two. wonder if the accounting is good on this. So not a lot of specific corporate news. Tesla has a price target increase from another analyst. They're playing catch-up on that one. They're playing Heinz 57. Better than expected earnings from analog devices and Garmin. Analog devices makes a lot of the semiconductors in the world that aren't sexy. They're not Intel. They're not NVIDIA. They're not AMD. Garmin is a GPS play. It's still there. Although, do you remember the GPS uh Units that you would buy, the Garmin's and the Nuvies and others, that uh, before your phone had a GPS chip built into it, and well, let's just say cell phones kind of killed that. <laughs> NVIDIA was upgraded to outperform a lot of people really positive on that stock this year, saying that last year when AMD leapfrogged them, you know, maybe it's this year's time for NVIDIA to jump right over that frog, so to speak. Starting than expected housing starts and building permits uh, for the month of January is helping sentiment out there. Housing starts obviously has a couple things tied towards it. In theory, you're creating more housing, which should lower housing prices if that's a concern. And if you're building more houses, housing starts then you're typically ordering more wood. You're typically ordering more hammers, more nails, more shingles. So you go to the shingle guy who the shingle guy lives by the seashore. So you go to see Shandy at the seashore getting your shingles and you basically help the economy. Now I'm getting caught up in my own stupidity. So it's good. Um, the jobs number is still very, very good. Uh, even though one thing that I mentioned, failed to mention the other day was I saw one Fed governor say, I'm pretty sure we're not going to be creating more jobs than this at this point in time. So we're at full economy uh, or full employment is probably the better way of saying that. My brain is not turned on today. It's ski week. California's got the most ridiculous thing. They let their kids out of school for a week for what's called ski week. Is it spring break? It's not spring break. Spring break's another week off. Um, I call it a poorly funded school system. Other people call it letting your kids be kids. I call it making your the parents figure out daycare is almost brutal. 800-516-1220 to get your calls on the air. Anything that you want to talk about, we can talk about money, investing, and more. Yesterday, down day, today, a little bit of a bounce back. Um, 
worthy of note. Oh, man. Did you see the Burger King ad? And here's the last that I kind of want to have in this segment, and then we'll retool and come back stronger. But millennials are a big shopping base. And I, I would say they don't put up with anything. My generation is like um, chicken nuggets. They used to be white chicken breast, and it was beautiful, and it was well, well breaded. But now we're like, uh, yeah, just give us the factory stuff, the goop, the pink goop. But Burger King's removing artificial preservatives, colors, and flavors from its Whopper sandwich. And they released an ad basically of it, basically a, a one being all moldy. The burger chain's going to highlight the change through an ad that shows a moldy, nasty, gross burger. I don't know if that's the best. I'm questioning this one. Um, maybe I should it. McDonald's removed artificial additives from seven of its classic burgers in 2018. So the overall trend, um, less is more. Burger King's run through a company called Restaurant Brands International. Campaign of showing moldy food comes as consumers demand more transparency about their ingredients. Um, I do not think you can underestimate the power of the millennial. And when that comes to investing, you have to be careful because if you if you underestimate, then you can, like for instance, I'm this is a horrible, horrible example, but. You could see somebody like um, – you could see the millennials basically singling out Nike and saying, you know, it's not cool to wear Nike. And then Adidas gets all the business. You feel like uh, uh, Kanye West and then suddenly a whole brand can go. And as an investment, whoa. There's a period of time there where it looked like the millennials were going to you know, make Skechers, like the next shoe company, the next shoe company. But Skechers is still kind of, how should you say, say, on the fringe. Anyhow, anyway, you can find me online at newfocusfinancial.com. That's newfocusfinancial.com. You can find me online at Rob Black Show. That's robblackshow.com. Um, a lot of good downloadables, a lot of good information out there on the internet. We'll take a break here. We'll be right back. Find me online at newfocusfinancial.com. <laughs> We're making financial sense of your portfolio. Now, back to Rob Black and your money on AM 1220 KDOW. So, a little bit of color on some of the story stocks of the day. Tesla price target. It was boomed up. Piper Sandler raised its price target on Tesla. It's 928 from 729. Very odd numbers. One that ends in 28, one that ends in 29. I'm not saying that what looks weird, but it looks a little weird. We don't have to panic about it. It's not like it's going to be on the next episode of Stranger Things. Price target change in weird numerical ways. Ultimately, management says the solar plus storage business will one day rival the automotive segment. And if this is true, <clears throat> then investors will eventually need to pay attention. Um, that's an interesting con- concept. Real quick there. I've got a neighbor who's got solar. I don't have solar. 
in the next question, when will my neighbor put in a solar, you know, backpack generator so that it stores its solar energy on his property? He doesn't have to sell it back. So if there's an outage, he's got power and he doesn't have to worry about PG&E. And when do I get that device? I can see I can see the argument that Piper Sandler's trying to make that Tesla's in front of this. And um, you know, eventually the Rob Blacks will cave. Eventually everyone will have an electric vehicle. I don't think that's foreseeable future. But it's not out of the the, the sanity realm of sanity in the United States. NVIDIA, um, GPU company, graphics processing unit is the basic idea, a little bit different than the CPU number crunching monster that is Intel. It's not that simple, but let's keep it that simple for sake of radio. Melanix, big acquisition. Um, Bernstein, analyst Stacey Rosgun raised the NVIDIA price target to 360 from 300 on basically a good acquisition, ultimately hitting the bottom line. It's interesting, the Department of Justice is opening up an investigation to all, not all tech companies. You probably know who they are. But the big ones will affect the small ones. The Microsofts, the Apples, the Alphabet Googles, um, the Amazons, the acquisitions that they've done, the small ones. The Department of Justice has recently done this. They're looking back at the last 10 years. Now, they're not going to overturn any of those. It would be very difficult to rip people back and say, okay, you bought a company that was a teeny tiny 10-person chip company in uh, Israel. So now we want all 10 of those people back in in the real world, and you have to forget their intellectual property. They're not going to erase the last 10 years. They're going to learn from it and try to figure out if Microsoft, Apple, Google, Alphabet, Amazon, um, if they're acquiring companies in a cruel way to basically stop their competition from ever having anything for, for sure, for real, that could actually compete with them. You know, an, an excellent example would be Facebook. <clears throat> they've bought companies that compete directly with other companies, and they've tried to buy, buy the, those companies as well. Back in the day, we were looking at Microsoft a lot, but you don't see a lot of aggressive Microsoft acquisitions at this point in time. So anyway, um, it is interesting the Department of Justice might go forward and say, okay, we're not going to let Apple buy it. Super secret, you know, super fast semiconductor company. And I, I don't think that would be good. But then again, it's tough to argue that you know these five companies, the Microsofts, the Apples, the Googles, um, that they're not, you know, on some level, huge, monolithic, right? 800-516-1220 to get your calls on the air. You want a speculative stock? You saw Tesla go through the, the world of Tesla? Virgin Galactic stock is now more than tripled in the past three months. It's up 223%. Man, anything Richard Branson touches ultimately turns to gold. Um, Virgin Air in the United States being bought by Alaska Airlines, I think, what a cut. I mean, he just brought that in, smacked it up, did a good job, sold it. He had to because foreign ownership kind of rural kicked in on the airlines, but that's neither here nor there. So Virgin Galactic's rally began two months ago. It's more speculative than the one that Tesla's got going because Virgin Galactic's about sending me and you up to space as a tourist. And right now our best friends aren't doing that. Ticker symbol is SPCE, SPCE. You heard me talk about it last week. 
um, two weeks ago as Tesla kind of started getting in the news again. People are looking for the next Tesla, and it's Virgin Galactic. The stock has only been trading for a few months, and I think the only thing that I've seen out of them, you know, some headlines about setting a base in New Mexico. But I think at one point in time, Richard Branson brought, like, three good-looking models and himself um, dressed up in new astronaut space uh, uh, suits. And uh, what was interesting about it is uh, it was kind of like a little fashion show. And you're like, this has really nothing to do with space, does it? Oh, no, these would be the actual ones used going to Mars. And like, okay. But it looked more like a fashion show. It was a little odd for me. Um, Anyway, Virgin Galactic uh, versus Tesla. It's very, very different. Tesla has product. Virgin Galactic, uh, 162% jump since beginning of the year. Tops Tesla's 105%. Both companies are bets on future technologies. Tesla's focused on electric vehicles and batteries, future the uh, future energy of, of the world. Virgin Galactic's developing space tourism. Um, wow. I hate to even say this because it sounds grim. But Avenue 5 on HBO is a new show, and it's got that... English guy who played that Dr. Grumpy guy, House. And uh, it's a pretty funny show. It's um, it's about space tourism. A big old rocket goes up in space, and it's basically a hotel, and it's going to circle to do a four-day trip around the moon or something like that. And, of course, everything goes haywire, and it's hilarious. It's a comedy on HBO. But I don't think that's a shot at Virgin Galactic and at – I think it's a shot at commercialization of space. And the, you know, the people who are leading it are Richard Branson and Jeff Bezos and um, Elon Musk. So those are our space pioneers. Some people get really upset at space, at spending money on space. Like, no, we have enough problems here on Earth. Uh, but a lot of great technologies come out of solving the problems in space. For instance, the digital watch on your hand – started in you know NASA needing a more reliable clock because gravity did funky things as it ticked around versus being digital. 800-516-1220 to get your calls on the air. Anything that you want to talk about, we can talk about. It is an interesting time on Wall Street because we're kind of learning as we're watching the coronavirus, the stock market will sell off but rally right back and sell off and rally right back. So the fears yesterday were greater. The fears today less. Um, yesterday was Monday. I feel like we get a lot of, I don't want to say negative news, but we, got a, we get a lot of news that we can't respond to on the weekends. And when you're talking about pandemic, epidemic, um, you get into a situation where um, the, 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 the morning news shows on Saturday and Sunday, they need guests. They're not going to get just the positive ones. They're going to get the really negative ones, too. So we can, can kind of get on a, a news curve. It can get kind of funky on Fridays to Mondays. So anyhow, and anyway, I'm Rob Black talking to all things financial. Disney Plus, Wells Fargo is saying that their foray into India will prove a lucrative. Interesting. There's no stopping the mouse. Find me online at robblackshow.com. Comments and questions are always welcome. Visit Rob Black online at robblack.com. Now, back to Rob Black and your money on AM 1220 KDOW. Kiss you goodnight. 
Welcome back in. Rob Black and your money. I'm Rob Black. It's an interesting start to the year. We are halfway through February. So the year is moving quickly. Bring in Patrick O'Hare from Briefing.com. Patrick writes at least a couple of articles and contributes a ton of content and information, starting with his page one article each and every day. How are you, Mr. O'Hare? Hey, Rob. I'm doing well. Good to be back with you. Good to have you. Um, I don't think we've done much in the last week or so, just kind of hanging in there. Um, that seems to be the story of the year. We get a little bit ahead. The coronavirus pulls us back. We get a little bit down. The capitalism pulls us forward. Um, is there any other trend other than that? Am I missing anything? No, I pretty much wrap it up. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, thanks. Uh, Fair enough, lates. Yeah, I mean, you have a, a market that's kind of been on cruise control, um, you know, all things considered. Uh, and it's been really remarkable, frankly, in terms of the resilience. You know, when you go back even to start off with the whole – geopolitical conflict with with Iran and and then of course the coronavirus and then uh and in between you know the talk of you know Senator Sanders kind of uh, gaining in popularity and and turning into the presumptive you know nominee I, I get it it's still early but but knowing how the market had previously viewed his his candidacy and and what it could potentially imply if uh, for for the stock market itself, or Mr. Sanders elected president, you can see that the you know the market just kind of keeps trading through it, uh, you know all of this and is discounting you know um, the idea that that you know worst case scenarios in its mind you know are not going to come to fruition, and so um, so you've, you've had a rally this year. I think that has also just has a lot of people. Um, and it's been somewhat fearful, frankly, of missing out on another big move. We had a huge move, obviously, in 2019. And lo and behold, you see the market stand up yet again in the face of these negative um, uh, narratives. And, uh, and, and, and it still presses higher. And I think you have people worried about being underweighted or underexposed to this equity market um, if, you know, on the assumption that interest rates are going to stay very low uh, and, uh, and stocks are going to continue to press higher because of that. Kind of on the same topic of stocks are finding a reason to go higher, and I, you don't have to have an opinion on this. <clears throat> but you and, I, you and I have seen the younger generation embrace things like Robinhood. Um, super easy to buy stocks. Things like LearnVest, super easy to buy and sell stocks. Um, what's your opinion? Does that pose a risk to the markets because of there's kind of an overcrowding? A friend of mine showed me. She's a young woman. She showed me her app, and it, it literally gave her like eight stocks she could buy, and it was literally Visa, Apple. It was just the, the names that you would expect. Um, so not a lot of diversity in her portfolio, but she's in. Are you worried that we're accumulating too much and not distributing as much as we used to? Well, I, I think if there's any potential for conflict there, it's just in how it gets marketed to a younger generation, frankly, okay. you know, this, this idea that obviously we're in a, in a raging bull market right now, you know, and so you kind of can, can walk away with a sense that you'll never lose. Um, you know, having said that, um, there's obviously a ton of history that suggests that, you know, careful long-term investing can be a great generator of wealth. And so okay. I think it is good, good to get, you know, younger generation in tune with the idea that, um, you know, you, you can do quite well with a patient mindset, uh, investing in, in good companies that are profitable, that pay a dividend, 
um, and and just staying the course. But if it's kind of you know targeted at them as kind of like look at what's going on with Tesla, right? You know, it's up fifty percent in two very years, widely right? held. <laughs> yeah, and and you get you know you get people reacting to that, and it turns into more of like a casino like type of approach. Um, you know, that's where I think you do some some generational damage, really. And as uh, so, it, I you know would hope that. You know, uh, these fintech companies and, and companies that, you know, um, are catering to a younger generation, uh, are, are, are mindful of, uh, and, and responsible with their marketing message in terms of really, uh, the benefits of the stock market and long-term investing as opposed to, um, while also pointing out some of the, the perils that come with day trading and, and, uh, and, and momentum investing. Thank you. Um, to me, it's just very interesting because I, I, I see these little nuggets on occasion, like millennials, number one stock that they own is Tesla or a millennial app. will say that. And uh, I'm like, that can't be good. <laughs> it's always like, here's the most speculative come here. Um, and it's, it's eye candy. But anyhow, I'm not going to dwell too much on that. Um, back to the markets. Uh, saw a little bit of economic activity on housing starts. Is, is that enough for the markets right now? Is that something we can hang our hats on? Yeah, you know, I think, um, I mean, the press, you know, might, might focus just on the, you know, the month over month decline, but frankly, you were, you were comparing to an extremely strong month in, in December as it related to housing starts. And so a modest pullback in January really, you know, shouldn't be taken as a negative. And especially when you kind of look at things on a year over year basis, um, you know, housing starts are up, you know, quite significantly. Um, and, uh, you know, 21% year over year, you also have building permits, which are a leading indicator. Uh, they actually were up month to month in January and they were up, you know, almost 18% year over year. So, so you definitely have some good trends unfolding, I think, within the, within the, uh, housing market, certainly. Uh, and, you know, the issue, of course, has always been that, um, you know, home sales could be stronger if you had, you know, more supply. And because you have limited supply, you've got really high prices that are kind of squeezing out, you know, new home buyers. And, and so, it's good to see that you're seeing a, a pickup in starts activity. And I'll, I'll point out to your listeners that the, you know, the three month moving average for starts is at its highest level right now since January of 2007. Um, and, uh, you know, and that, that's a good thing as it relates to the supply uh, demand dynamic that has been imbalanced here. And so, you know, hopefully that can um, uh, create a little more relief on the pricing front. And if you continue to see the persistence of low mortgage rates, you can get some nice, um, traction going as it relates to a pickup in uh, both new and existing home sales. And finally, I want to highlight your piece every day that you start with, page one. It's something I read. It's religious for me. Um, it's relaxing for me. You, you talk about the Federal Reserve and talk about inflation. How do you feel that the market's understanding of what the Federal Reserve is doing, in your opinion? Well, I think the market's understanding is that it, that the Fed is its friend. Um, and I think the, you know, Chairman Powell and, and some of his colleagues have kind of really haven't, you know, created any other impression other than to lead the market to think the Fed is, you know, likely to be on hold for an extended period of time and, you know, that they're, they're kind of going to let, you know, uh, inclined to let inflation run above that, that 2% target because they want inflation to average 2% on a sustained basis. So when you get strong data, um, and even inflation data, you know, the market doesn't wig out because it knows the Fed isn't going to, uh, quote, wig out, you know, either and, and turn around and raise rates right away. So uh, so there's a little question in my mind that the, the stock market's strong start to this year and really the strong finish to last year has been 
predicated also in large part on the understanding that the Fed's not going to be running interference with a rate hike anytime soon. Sounds good. Have a very good day, sir. Get back to work. It's Patrick O'Hare with Briefing.com giving us market perspective each and every Wednesday at this time. He moved from 20 years on Tuesday to Wednesdays recently, so I hope you're aware of that. We post a lot of his content. We separate it out and post it on my Facebook pages, but you can also find him at Briefing.com. That's Briefing.com. It's a source of information that I've been using for over 20 years. It's a good source of information. I'm not paid to say that. I can just tell you, I, you're going to do no wrong. Um, and that's kind of an important thing. Information in the world of finances and doing getting good information versus bad. Um, a lot of people like annuities because they're the way they're sold. Hey, it protects your downside and it limits your upside. It doesn't say it limits your upside. But why ensure the downside of the market should be the question. When the market hits all-time high, seven out of ten years, you know it's almost like you buying insurance on a product that probably isn't going to break. I'm talking into a microphone right now that doesn't have a lot of moving parts, um, but when I bought it, they're like, "Hey, that's an expensive microphone. You want to buy an extra one-year warranty on it? Probably not a good idea." Same thing with buying annuities: is you're buying insurance in case the market goes down. Now, again, if you're a super scaredy cat person, just don't buy stocks. Or buy value stocks or income stocks or buy bonds. Buy, you don't have to buy, say, well, I'm scared the market's going to go down, so I better pay for insurance on that. Your insurance company probably covers your car rental. And yet they, they, they have a big business of saying, do you want to buy rental insurance for the next three days at $27? It covers everything. And you're like, woo. Even though your insurance covers it, you're like, at, you get that like last second, ooh, and uh, you kind of make some mistakes. So annuities, the reason that they're bad is you're buying insurance on your your investments, and you could just cut down the volatility on yours, or you could just look at the fact that investments are up seven out of ten years. Now, if you're a bad picker of investments, that's a whole nother question. Oh, guess what we just heard? I don't know if this will be the the biggest you know, issue for Boeing. Um, but a documentary is being made about the company that's coming to the small screen. Brian Glazer and Ron Howard's Imagine Entertainment is teaming up with filmmaker Rory Kennedy to produce a series about the 737 MAX jet. It's going to be based on first-person accounts of people affected by the two deadly crashes that killed 346 people. When that documentary hits, it's going to be bad publicity for Boeing. It'll probably be as bad as it gets. That's why, you know, lawyers will tell you, hey, the worst of it's over. You had your bad night. And, you know, we got this going forward. Just paying a lot of money. When the bad publicity hits, it's okay. Howard's won a lot of um, Academy Awards, Oscars, for his film, A Beautiful Mind. And, how, anyhow, anyway, um, let's go to break. I'm Rob Black, talking all things financial, money, investing, more. You can find me online at newfocusfinancial.com. That's newfocusfinancial.com. Visit Rob Black online at robblack.com. Now, back to Rob Black and your money on AM 1220 KDOW. 
Folks, I'm always looking for social trends. And the bottom line here is I'm going to talk quickly about how media is changing. Got to pipe down the music a little bit. So media is changing pretty quickly. In this year's election cycle, we're seeing it a little bit more. I think maybe four years ago, we learned about fake news or propaganda on Facebook. Don't trust anything. I don't know what we learned. That felt like the message I was getting. This year, Bloomberg slipped one on us. The meme election. If I'm an influencer, and I'm not an influencer, but if I were, someone on YouTube, someone on Twitter, someone on Twitch, someone on the social media world that says, you know, I'm beautiful. And here's the lipstick that I'm going to go buy today because my lips are beautiful. And then a lot of women with non-beautiful lips and with beautiful lips go buy the same lipstick. Basic basic thought on an influencer. Ninja playing a video game, you know, drinking Jolt Cola. This is the, the soda that, you know, a, a Fortnite warrior has to drink. And this is the joystick. Um, so Bloomberg campaign did something kind of interesting. A flurry of paid ads by Bloomberg. We've seen them on TV, but they're not. My kids don't watch TV. My kids aren't voting age yet, but. A lot of 18 to 30s, they watch YouTube. They watch other platforms for their entertainment. Uh, Mixer. But there was one called Kale Salad. And uh, talk about Bloomberg. There was, there's someone named Kale Salad. And I guess, it's a, I guess it's a LinkedIn account, Instagram account, Twitter account that basically pretends to be a salad. And... Um, you know, the joke was something along the lines of uh, Michael Bloomberg is like kale salad, tough and tasteless, but ultimately good for you. Now, again, I don't want to get into the politics of it, but this was a good election year to be an influencer because basically Bloomberg just legitimized younger people who have eyeballs. Read memes, read, you know, if you can win an election by being compared to salad or get your awareness out there. The influencers just have to, I mean, <clears throat> I know a lot of influencers do have agents, but the influencers all have to be rubbing their hands together like, ah, gold. Do you see this? Gold. Uh, young voters are not seeing TV ads. That's the whole point here. Purely for impressions and eyeballs, influencers can be a huge market. Spending on television ad campaigns during this ad cycle has already topped $435 million. Of that $435 million, $230 million has been spent by Bloomberg. So in future elections, I imagine memes might be the way, you know, we can skip watching the debates. Oh, there was a weird story out, just FYI. So apparently, speaking of debates, Nixon had a, a famous debate where he sweated. He had just a massive flop sweat. They thought that it was the first time that television ruined a potential presidential candidate uh, because he couldn't control his image. On Before that, when we didn't have a lot of TV, a lot of cable channels, a lot of Internet, um, you know, you'd read about the candidate. You'd see pictures of him in the newspaper. So now we're getting to the point where you can just flip through uh, your news feed in Facebook, your news feed in Twitter, see a meme and go, oh, that's the one I like because my funny meme writer likes that one. And that gets into more disclosures on <clears throat> do memes have to be disclosed as political spending? Um, do they have to be disclosed as 
this ad was paid for by Michael Bloomberg. You know what's crazy about the Michael Bloomberg ads? There's just so many of them. It's you can't get away from it. And again, it's it's it is what it is. Warren Buffett's annual shareholder letter to be closely watched to see what the CEO of Berkshire Hathaway has to say about a range of issues. People, you know, they they split hairs. They they want to hear what he has to say about aren't you old and are going to die? Who's going to replace you? Stock repurchases, dividends, acquisitions, the environment, the company's lagging stock price, what it's going to do with its long-term holding Wells Fargo that has just not been moving. So Berkshire holders are going to be looking for that carefully. I'm a big fan of Warren Buffett. If you could read his market letters, I think he becomes smarter. If you could watch a couple of interviews on him, I don't I can't imagine I've ever watched an interview on him and gone, oh no, that's just horrible. I hope no one ever sees that. That's just bad. So you want to up your game today and you're going to lunch by yourself? It's okay to go to lunch by yourself. Get your AirPods and put them in your ears and YouTube some Warren Buffett videos. And again, that kind of ties back to this whole segment of um, during lunch, you're going to be using YouTube. You're going to be using Apple Music. You're going to be using Spotify. Uh, the ABCs, NBC, CBSs, the typical uh, clear channels and the, the different vehicles are all shifting. And again, I think it's smart of Bloomberg to go after the, the meme uh, influencers per se. My kids aren't going to see anything on Sports Center. They didn't want, like it's it's not even an option. Bank of America is now Buffett's number one bank. I always like uh, Buffett. He got into Apple quite late, but when he did, he was like, "I get it. Everyone has one of these in their hands." And you don't really need to say much more than that. He's not investing for one week or one day or one month. He's not investing for one coronavirus or a SARS or a, uh, Ebola. He's, he's investing through them all. So he did pair some position in Apple, but it was very, very small, and it was to help buy other positions. Um, so what's interesting about Warren Buffett's information that he discloses in his annual letter He'll talk a lot about Geico, which tells us a lot about the insurance industry. He'll talk about Burlington Northern, which tells us about a lot of the, the trains and the uh, infrastructure and the import out exports in the United States. Um, his Berkshire Hathaway Energy, he's got a real estate company. Um, there's a lot to garner from his, uh, his, his letter, but again, it's not sports center. It's not entertainment for the sake of entertainment. You're not going to hear any high C notes. You can find me online at newfocusfinancial.com. It's newfocusfinancial.com. As an investor, I want you to cut down on your mistakes. I want you to educate yourself. There's some really good podcasts out there, including my partner, CFP, Chad Burton. You can go to newfocusfinancial.com and start signing up for his podcast. Very educational. I'm Rob Black. Three-star general, Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn. 
deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.